word is powerful, but it's also alive. Well, how many people stop and go something like, okay, the word of God is powerful, able to, to divide even between the bone and the marrow. Well, what does that look like? What does that really look like? Does this come from heaven or is this just the mechanics of the universe around us? The sad thing is, guys, when I get into New Age circles, which isn't very often, they understand me better than most Christians. Now, how is that possible other than all they have is the mechanical part of the, of the multiverse? That's what they're searching out. Well, guess who's supposed to be in control of that? The sons and daughters of the king. That's part of what Adam's assignment was. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. Today, Luke and I are privileged to have, for the first time, Dr. Robert Rodich, and he wrote a book called Moving Towards Sonship, a book that God gave to him almost as a download as he is revealing the plans and purposes for how we are supposed to operate as God's children. And there are clues in the Bible about these kinds of things and yeah it goes a little deep yeah it's not the milk of the spiritual word it is definitely meat something we have to chew on and wrestle with and try to wrap our heads around and one of the issues with that is there is some risk involved it can sound new age it can sound kind of woo woo you know not very tangible not very easy to put our fingers on it. But I think it's important for Christians to understand that, number one, there is a lot more to our life with God in the way that we were meant to function in this dimension, in this fallen world, than we've experienced. And so with prayerful consideration and testing all things and holding fast to what is good, testing things against the true word of God, uh, we can come to discernment. And so with that idea in mind, Doc and Luke and I discuss how God's word has been dumbed down via the English translations, how there's meanings in Hebrew and Greek that are lost as we translate, how Christians often fear the unknown and stay safe in their theology, and dismiss some of the more fantastical supernatural things. And Doc also gets into how his unique voice print analysis allows him to discern things about our spiritual condition with God. It's pretty fascinating. And I honestly can't wrap my head fully around it. There's laws at work, spiritual laws at work, mechanics at work. And as Doc points out, it's often in the New Age and occultic world that they have tapped into this, but they do it without God. They cut him out and try to do it on their terms. So, with all this in mind, prayerfully consider that maybe how we were designed to function as believers is being robbed from us and God has more it comes through humility and obedience first of course and testing everything against his word so with that let's dive into our first part of our conversation with Doc Rodich Well, great to have you, uh, Dr. Robert Rodich, right? Rodich, yeah. Just like, yes. like a road with an itch and you just say it real fast. That's what I was just thinking in my head this morning. Yep, road itch. A condition for which yeah. there is no cure. That's right. Yeah. 
we're we're happy to have you and um on the days of noah podcast and what's great is so i've been collaborating and and becoming friends with rod from the millennial mustard seed and yeah. so that's that's of course how i found out about you so we're we're happy to have you here dr um you know we've we've talked uh since i had you do a voice analysis and uh it's fascinating stuff and i, I know we're going to get into that so um it's a pleasure to have you, and this is my brother Luke. He's down in Louisiana. Good morning, hey y'all, Cajun. <laughs> I was, That's I right. was, I was born in Lake Charles, so I won't even tell you what they call us. But you probably know. <laughs> it's worse, huh? Uh, yeah, but you're, you're but more Texan in, than Louisiana out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Louisiana is a big state, but when you when yeah. you're down on the Gulf, they. Uh, the, the French have a way of referring to each other. And, and, uh, since I was born down there, they, they always, I won't even say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, maybe it's not that case in, in Lake Charles area. I know Shreveport has got a lot of Texas influence more than, uh, a lot of the people, you know, in the yeah. Bayou and even the North shore, uh, area, which, uh, have a lot more festivals and stuff around here. Yeah. Well, they, they have a, they have a lingo that they use. And when I, whenever I've been down there, I can't hardly understand the, the old timers, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, uh, yeah, you, you know, I, I remember as a kid, they always used to come up and slap my face and everything. And, and <laughs> after a while it kind of got irritating, you know, and it's like, no, that just shows they love you. I said, yeah, but they don't have to slap me so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh. It's either that or the pinch of the cheek, I guess. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had plenty well, of grandmas I, that did that. <laughs> yeah, that's a grandma thing. Me, me, and Luke grew up here in Wisconsin. I'm still here. Well, I remember throwing up a cup of coffee when I lived in Wisconsin years ago because I'm still a big Packers fan. So uh, there you go. Hey. And good, to, good <laughs> to see Jordan Love come around. Yeah, I mean, I go back to Bart Starr, guys. So that's how oh, old sure. I am. Yeah. Yeah, my mom. But you said you you got roots in Lake Charles. So how did you become a Packers fan? Unless they're just everywhere. All right. No, no. Well, maybe they probably are. Sidebar. Probably America's team. My dad. No, my wife disputes that. It's not Dallas. It's Green Bay is America's team. Oh well, (laughs) Dallas just made that up. They're they're so needy. I know it. I mean, I love it. I mean, you know, come on. Um, no, I, my dad was in the Air Force and I was born in Lake Charles. And oh, okay. uh, but my family is from central Iowa, particularly Des Moines. And uh, and so back in 1958, when I was five years old, my dad said, OK, you got to pick a team, either the Packers or the Bears. And uh <laughs> And I, I've never liked the Easy Bears. Choice. Actually, I hate the Bears, um, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, I know you're not supposed to hate as a believer, but I think in sports it's okay. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. just in, in case sports, anybody. In yeah, 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 that's right. He hates sin and hate hate the Bears. And and uh, so I started out. And, and interestingly enough, uh, when I lived in Louisville, Kentucky um, some years ago, because we've only been here in South Alabama for four years, uh, I got to meet Paul Horning. And had oh, nice. a, had a picture with him, and then he passed away about a year or two after that. But uh, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. But anyway, that's, that's in, my, uh, in in Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Four years. Four years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We visit there a lot. That's one of our favorite uh, vacation spots. And actually, mm-hmm. a member of a church uh, down the street from you uh, there in Daphne Church of His Presence. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like that's where that's where we church. that's where we go to church. Okay. Yeah. Well, when, whenever, whenever I'm not with like, <laughs> John. Yeah. 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 I got, I got a fu- funny brother John story. Are we, are we recording right now? Yeah, we are. And I want to get to that, that story. So yeah. Um, I was just going to ask you quick to go back to kind of the connection to Rod with, uh, the millennial mustard seed. Um, how was it that, that you guys got in touch? Uh, well, okay. So gosh, you almost have to go back to the beginning because four, four years ago, we, we moved down here from Louisville, Kentucky. My wife and I both had careers up there and we retired her, her middle son, um, who worked for a, um, what would you call like an offshoot of Verizon wireless was transferred from Louisville to uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, 
and uh, which is only two and a half hours away. But I mean, there's a big difference in temperature. And and uh, I, we just knew we didn't want to go north because she's a Mississippi girl. And there's no I mean, it was cold enough in Louisville. And uh, and so we said, we got to do something. Where could we move? that everybody would come and see us. And so we said, okay, let's go to the beach. Well, you don't really move on the beach because, you know, it's millions of dollars even back then. And uh, so we moved to a little town eight miles north of the beach called Foley, which has now got all kinds of infrastructure and building a new hospital wing and all that kind of stuff. So, but I moved here to retire because I'm a pretty good golfer. I still shoot when I have a good day. Uh, I shoot around 80 and you know, if I miss a few putts, I'm 85. So for a guy 70, that's not too bad. And, uh, you know, and so anyway, um, we go to brother John's church, um, a couple weeks after we're here, maybe three weeks, cause we had to unpack and everything. And you gotta understand, I mean, I've been assemblies of God pastor for 30 years and I've been around, you know, you know, a lot, the district and, and, uh, even the superintendents for the entire nation of the assemblies and, uh, you know, been prayed for by just about any, every big name that you can think of. Uh, and I hardly ever get slain in the spirit or anything like that. Okay. Cause I'm just kind of, you know, I'm an energy guy, so I'm kind of used to it. So we go up there and my wife says, Hey, brother John, he's praying for people. You need to go on up. Well, I'm not one of these guys that I'm going to, you know, force my way up. Like everybody's like fighting and trying to throw each other to the side, just to have him pray for you. So I wasn't going to do that. So he moseys on over to me and, and I'm not a small guy. I mean, I'm a little over six feet tall and, but he's at least that tall, maybe about six, two. And, and he's, and I only weigh 175 pounds and he weighs a couple pounds more than that, but he's got these big old hands, you know, like a mitt. He puts it on my head and pulls pulls my ear up to his mouth because you can't hear anything a foot away from you. And he says, I'm going to tell you, the Lord's telling me to tell you that that you thought you were going to move down here to retire. But the Lord has other plans for you. You're going to be busier than you ever have been in your life. And that this is God, the move is of God and get ready because it's it's fixing to get busy. Well, that's what we say, getting ready to down here in the South, fix it. So I said, okay, well, what was funny was, is there was chairs right behind me. So I felt a little something. So I just politely sat down and, and we left early because we wanted to grab a bite. And my wife has had a, a knee replacement. So there was this gravel parking lot and I didn't want her to walk across it. So I dropped her off at the door and I pulled, went and parked the car and I get out of the car and fall flat on my face into the gravel. I'm out from, uh, from the glory and in the uh, parking lot in the face down in the gravel. Um, you know, Goodness. so I finally come in and she says, where were you? I said, I don't know if you're going to believe this, <laughs> but I've felt, you know, and I've prayed for gosh, thousands of people through the years and, you know, they'll just go down, you know, just like dropping a feather and things like that. Not all the time, but some of the, some of the time I never felt anything that heavy it was so heavy, the presence of God, that it almost hurt. And, so uh, I know some people might be wondering, why would the Lord do that to you on gravel and were you injured? <laughs> well, okay. So no, I wasn't injured and even my glasses weren't scratched. Uh, so that's the amazing thing. But why would he do it? Uh, who knows? Um, I mean, you know, you know, the real spiritual ones out there are going to say, well, brother, you needed humbling. So God just wanted to prove himself to you. Well, he, he didn't, he doesn't need to prove himself to me. I mean, you know, with everything I've done through the years, I know exactly who he is. I know exactly who I am and still learning and expanding. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but sometimes it's just, he does fun things. Didn't hurt me. It was yeah. funny. <laughs> I mean, who expects that? And plus it makes a great story too. So, I mean, it does. You, know, you know, sometimes people forget God is probably, the the and now this this don't take this wrong <clears throat> but jesus has a tremendous sense of humor who says the father doesn't who says holy spirit doesn't right you know and when you and can I'm testify sure the, that that god put you on your face in the gravel i wasn't injured it felt wonderful and i'm feeling well, great yeah i mean i <laughs> agree know, with that's that. a good combination <clears throat> yeah. I, I agree with everything, except I wouldn't say it felt wonderful. It didn't feel bad, <laughs> but the heaviness of the, of the, that was what they called the kabod. 
of God. Yeah. You know, there's different levels Where it of lingers. That. Yeah. And it's like, it just wouldn't go away. And, uh, you know, that's just like yesterday, my wife and I, we go to this little place in uh, a little town just away and she gets her hair done and I get a haircut there and I was sitting out in the car and I had forgotten that I put one of these ephods that I've been making um, on and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm going, man, I can't hardly breathe. What is going on? And it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't like having a panic attack. The glory was so heavy. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's not like, you know, uh, I had, you know, uh, you know, Travis Cottrell on the background and, you right. know, which, emotional. Like, yeah, you know, wasn't anything like that. I was sitting there thinking about going over to the post office and mailing some of my product out to people. And, and, and I had to sit there. I could not move. The glory was so heavy. And finally, I just released it into the area around me and then I could, I could function. So wow. God's going to do what he's going to do. But, but we have to remember as sons and daughters of the king, things don't operate outside of planet Earth the way that we think that they do. It's a mm-hmm. big mistake to try to bring it into our limited understanding. Oh, my goodness. Um, the technologies, the, the way he communicates, everything is so different. I mean, imagine being outside up there and having 360 degree division. Mm-hmm. I mean, in and the, in the color spectrum, the colors. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so I always think that the, the, when, when God's presence gets on us like that, and I could testify some of my own experiences similar to yours, um, in this natural fleshly body that we're in, we're not in our glorified bodies yet. When God's presence comes in, in intermingles with this, this dimension mm-hmm. or plane of existence that we're in, our bodies just can't handle that. Right. And that's, and, and that's a why lot we, of times where we feel faint. Or, right. And that's exactly, know. that's exactly what happens. However, there is a workaround. The workaround is you bring your body, soul, and spirit into alignment, and then you have those experiences on a regular basis because, guys, we're supposed to live in both realms at the same time. True, true. Yeah, that's the premise of your sonship in your book, correct? That that is correct. Yeah, it's called Moving Towards Sonship. Before we move into that, I just wanted to add, too, because as we were talking about how Luke got to the South and it was right, it was Camp Pendleton in, in San Diego, right? For boot camp. And, and then, um, off to, uh, was Florida next Pensacola. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So and I, that, uh, and, my, so again, my job was avionics. I was stationed there at NES Pensacola. Yeah. Um, so then, so then we were visiting as a family and during the Brownsville revival, when John Kilpatrick was uh part of that and, mm-hmm. I was 17 and that was my kind of making my faith, my own time. I got to see Ray comfort speak down there and that he really solidified it for me. Loved him so much. My older sister bought me his entire book set for a birthday present. (laughs) But um, yeah, I, I wanted to add this because you're talking about not being emotional and then having this come out of the blue, like you didn't conjure it up. Right. You, Same you, thing. So yeah, yeah. You mean I, you mean when Brother John prayed for me? Um, well, you were talking about uh just uh, yesterday. Yeah, the, the yeah. more recent story. Oh no, no, I wasn't even th- uh, no offense, but I, to the yeah. Lord, I wasn't even thinking about him. Exactly. So so to that point, same thing happened to me. We were in the revival services one night. Luke, I don't know if you know all of this story, but I you were you were there, we were all in the pew, and and I'm hearing Luke and and uh, older sister uh, speaking tongues. There's an altar altar call. I want to go up. I feel, you know, good idea. And I'm not, again, not emotional, not particularly sad or convicted or anything. Right. I get up to that altar and I kneel and I'm weeping for 10 minutes straight. Yeah. And that to me was God's spirit that I had never experienced probably since. And, uh, because again, I didn't, uh, there wasn't anything like, oh, I'm so burdened by this. And then I, it just spilled out, right? It hit me. Well, what can, what can happen in times like that is, is that when the presence of God is so profound, there is an alignment that begins taking place, almost a synchronization between the body, soul, and spirit. And it, c- it can even be a part, it can be our soul crying out for, 
you know, because the soul is really kind of the culprit in everything. And when the spirit doesn't take charge, which none of us were born that way, that's why we need to be born again or one of the reasons. And all of a sudden things starting to align in such precious presence of the Lord, even we'll have an inner weeping and we don't even know where it comes from. It's because Mm -hmm. our body is saying, we're meant to be more than this. Yeah. And and so it can manifest in so many different ways. One of one of the big um, issues that I had with revivals through the years, because I've been around for a long time. I mean, I was still <laughs> old when the Brownsville revival was going on. So, <laughs> yep. but uh, but is that, you know, after two or three days, the glory seems to fizzle out. Well, that's not the way we're designed in the second Adam. The glory is supposed to stay. Now, it doesn't mean that everywhere where we walk in Walmart, the people need to drop over in the aisles. You know, we can kind of crank it up or crank it down, but we're supposed to stay in all the time. And that's what it means to be living and walking in the spirit, at least part of it. And, you know, but, but that there's training involved, you know, there's, there's things we have to learn, obviously. Yeah. So uh, you were a pastor in assembly of God, um, churches for a good three decades, right? And then was it, was it concurrent with that, that you were also uh, a doctor of, of natural medicine? Did that come later? How did that work in? Well, I mean, I started my schooling before that, but I started coming down with a, a mild heart arrhythmia that they didn't have any solution for. And so, you know, the Lord sovereignly leads and one thing led to another. And um, um, I, I was able to get to a training session by a gentleman by the num- name of Dr. D.A. Versendahl. And it happened to be in Dallas, and I lived in near Memphis at the time, Memphis, Tennessee, where I was pastoring. And uh, when I filled out the, the material, I put the degree down that I had, which was D.D., and I think they thought it was that I left the S off. And so they let me in, and once I got there, they were gracious and let me stay. Well, at the end, Dr. Versendahl made a plea and he said, uh, I've been trying to get a hold of Ronald Reagan because uh, he is coming down with Alzheimer's and I'd like to see if I can do anything with him for nutrition. So I went up afterwards and I said, now, Dr. Bursendahl, I can't make any promises, but it just so happens that my grandfather's sister, my Aunt Bessie, uh, is Ronald Reagan's sister-in-law. And so, so in other words, her husband, Neil Reagan, which I never knew his name was Neil till he um, probably after he died, because I always called him Uncle Moon. That was his name. Ronald was Dutch and he was Moon. And, uh, and so uh, I tried to get him in touch and, and, uh, I don't know whether it was ever successful, but Dr. Versendahl took a liking to me and, uh, he actually paid for my PhD level studies in clinical nutrition. And because I was the kind of pastor that they sent to places um, that were in trouble and uh, kind of like home missions work. If you're familiar with the assemblies, it's not always home missions because you're not always starting work. Sometimes the work you almost need to start over. And, and that's what I would do. So I had to have a another way to make a living. And that ended up being so I would do them simultaneously, kind of like the funeral director who was in the assemblies that I met one time. Uh, seemed like he was from uh, Western Iowa at the time when I was pastoring in Iowa. He said he didn't pray for the sick because it was bad for business because he was a funeral director. So, <laughs> but but his name conflict was yeah yeah conflict of interest. So, uh, but he was kidding, of course. He sh- yeah. he, sh- he certainly did. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's fascinating. So, again, you you wrote a book on. Can you can you share the title again? Uh, being it's a called son and moving daughter of God? moving towards sonship. Yes, yes. So it is available at lulu.com, and also you can get it from Amazon, but not Amazon Kindle because it's got a workbook in it. That format okay. wouldn't go into Kindle. So you just type in "moving towards sonship," and then you can order it the way that you would order, I don't know, an energy drink or something from Amazon. Right, and uh, and. The book itself is kind of an interesting story because as I got back, remember I said I moved down here to play golf and mow my lawn and water my all the the menagerie of everything that's in the backyard that my wife had me put in. And so a funny story, actually, there's a lot of funny stories, but uh, she got booted off of Facebook, so I didn't ever have a pay, Facebook page. 
And she said, hey, I got to sell something because we hadn't been here all that long. And uh, can I start one up for you? And I said, sure. And, you know, she's real sharp with that kind of thing. So when she finally got reinstated to Facebook, um, I took it over and I started connecting with all these heaven groups because I'm, you know, I've met Ian Clayton and Grant and Samantha Mahoney. I actually did consultations for them and, you know, some of the people that are in what I call the heaven movement and uh, started connecting and and people started wanting me to do um, workups on them. Well, I thought, okay. But the Lord kept giving me these downloads, like maybe eight or 10 typewritten pages here and there. And before long, I laid it out on my, I call it my man cave, but it's my man cave, my office, my everything. It's where I watch the Packers. Hopefully they will be Kansas City Sunday night, but uh, just a little, uh, you know, a shameless plug. But um, anyway, uh, so all of a sudden, I start doing more of these consultations and I felt like I needed to give people something, you know, so I'd send them a little bit of what I had, the the download that I got. Well, eventually the trail led to Dr. Ron Horner and his ministry in Pinehurst, North Carolina. So I sent it all to him and he, he calls me on the phone, which he does quite regularly. And he said, doc, this is a book. Just make the segues and, now, I'd like to say that I'm this super brilliant guy and, you know, author and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But honestly, about 90% of it was a download. So I can't, you know, I'll give, I'll give the Lord credit for it. Um, however, what it does is, and because and I was talking to my wife many times and I said, look, there is a gap. People don't know how to transition out of being a Methodist or a Lutheran or a Baptist. They don't have the terminology you know, we have Christianese bad enough as it is, and they don't even really know. Everything seems new age. It seems spooky. They don't understand that we're supposed to be living in heaven and earth at the same time. They don't have any concept of that, even though the scripture is super, super clear on that. You know, Christ in me, the hope of, in, of glory seated with him, Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Those are not metaphors. Those are descriptions of things that actually happen in the multidimensional realms, okay? So anyway, th- that's why I wrote the book, because it, it, it really does fill the gap. I talk about gray energy, dark energy, how the enemy does what he does, how um, there's a prayer in the book that, that actually closes the door to frequency warfare from the enemy's camp. And, and so far, if a person is a believer, it, it's worked 100% of the time. And many of these people have actually tested a number against their DNA. And it's in the, the normal number is supposed to be 19. The Lord's never told me why it's supposed to be 19. But hardly anybody's ever 19. I found one person that hadn't said that prayer whose DNA was uh, 19. Everybody else, it was like three, six, nine, you know, whatever. Um and so they pray the prayer and all of a sudden the de- they're not getting attacked the same way. Well, there's still a whole, whole lot of work to do beyond that. However, this book is a good segue for people. And I have people that send me emails all the time. They say, man, I just can't get away from your book. I go back and I read this chapter again. I do this and and because I have to see how it fits together. And And I say, well, give the glory to the Lord because he's the one that gave it to me. Yeah, so, it. I had that same impression too, that it's, it's very dense and that you do have to revisit sections, uh, multiple, multiple times. I've gone through it twice now, thanks to, uh, my favorite text to speech app. And, uh, since you graciously gave me the PDF so, um, I can listen to the book, mm-hmm. um, which, which is a good thing and getting through it quick while I'm at work, but it's not so great for the workbook side of it and, and missing some things. So, um, I will definitely go back through again, but yeah, I think you collect, uh, connect a lot of dots in the spiritual realm and also in things that are missing, uh, reasons that Christians are suffering in spiritual ways and other ways that we need to get to the, the root of, we need to get to the bottom of that to me is, has been, uh, my personal interest in, in, in looking into deliverance ministry and, and things like that, you know, Steve Harmon, uh, a deliverance pastor or minister has 
talked about fractures, mm-hmm. you know, emotional fractures being sure. different than a demonic eta- attachment. And I think what struck me about what you've talked about with your website, your voice analysis and your book is there seems to be this gap uh, of getting from from A to Z or point A to B. And um, and that's where I think we got to inquire of the Lord, like, what are these what's the reason I'm still struggling? Is it a generational curse? Is there some prayer that I need to pray to close a door? Because there are spiritual laws at work. And if we're ignorant of those laws, then we can't address it. Right? Exactly. Well, I think that's what's really important for people to understand, because believe me, I've been around for a long time. I mean, you know, you know, I go back over 50 years. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, I've seen it all. I've, you know, I've, absolutely love Catherine Kuhlman and, you know, uh, Corey Ten Boom and, you know, a lot of those people. In fact, I got a story one time I came home from work back in the seventies and I felt the glory in the house and I thought, what's going on? Cause I think, uh, my three oldest boys were already born, but the twins would have been just in, still in their crib or ta- or their, what would they call that thing? It wasn't a crib, the thing that looked like a jail, um, like the pack and play playpen. thing. Yeah. A playpen. Yeah. You know. Um, Pack but and in, play. yeah, but the, uh, I walk in and here's Corey Tenboom being interviewed by Pat Robertson on the 700 club on the TV and the glory was coming out of the TV into the house. And, um, you know, so the, the point in saying all of that is there comes a point where we have to realize that the Lord Jesus wants us free on every level. But the, the reason and my book kind of spells this out. The reason that it doesn't happen instantaneously, like some people say that it does, you know, we get positionally, we get everything, but then we have to work out our salvation for, with fear and trembling. It's not to stay saved. Either you're saved or you're not. It's, it's to work out all of the wares and tears and traumas and generational things. So when you have a segment of the church that doesn't even believe in generational issues, uh oh, well, that segment is in trouble because they don't have an explanation for everything that's going on with their people. And so then look at what the church has devolved into today where it's, you you know, I mean, I don't even understand this whole gender pronoun stuff, you know, and, and they're, it's starting to slip into the church and it's like, give me a break. Hmm. I mean, John Wayne would be rolling over in his grave. Come <laughs> that's on. For sure. Yeah. And you you come into things like cessationism where, you know, I mean, gosh, if one person gets an instant healing in the world in 8 billion people in the last hundreds of years, <laughs> well, it's more than 8 billion in hundreds of years. If one person, then cessationism is incorrect. But right there, you've discounted an entire manner of faith. You're saying, nope, I'm not even going to pray for that. I'm not even going to believe that. I'm going to teach this in my church that this is the way it is. And you've cut yourself off from what God is capable of. Well, see, here, here's here's one of the things that it just dawned on me not all that long ago, because I've always kind of been a big picture guy anyway. You know, what if nothing out there is really what we're being told that it is? And I mean, almost everything is not what we're being told that it is. The, there has been an undercurrent of Luciferianism and control from the dark side that goes back very closely to the fall of man and certainly to the Tower of Babel, okay? Do, if you just do even a little bit of research about how different Bible translations came into being and the people behind them were all Masonically related, just about. And because of that, of course, they're going to slip in that there's no longer miracles. Okay? Just the way they've left whole meanings out of every single English version because it doesn't translate. So, so because I've had people come up to me and say, well, I'm sensing in the spirit that that there's been things left out of the Bible. Well, yeah, but it would be even better. That's the point. It would be even stronger if we really saw 
the way that that was said initially in Hebrew and then perhaps in Greek and Aramaic. I mean, they were talking like we're talking now. Yeah. Back then. And it, the whole thing got squelched. And for me, it finally came up to a head some time ago when this one brother, and you got to understand I'm in the South, so I don't really have a Southern accent to speak of, but I can speak in Southern if I have, I can speak Wisconsinese too. So, you know, you know, so, you know, Hey, go get my coat. eh? so, but anyway, um, it's in the North. Yeah. So, so this one brother comes up and he says, brother, what Bible you use? I said, uh, I like the Amplified, um, you know, but, you know, I'll read several different ones. Oh, man, I don't know how effective you're going to be. I I use the Bible that, that the Apostle Paul used. And I said, well, which one is that? He said, the King James Version. I said, yeah, I guess Paul probably was close to 1611. You know, 1500. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, and so... The the point is, it has been dumbed down so much that has I think been because because I'm a big word guy, mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm not Jack Van Empey. I kind of wish I was with my that level of knowledge. I've just got too many other things I've always been doing through the years on a more practical way to to. But I have a lot of it, you know, obviously memorized. But the word is powerful, but it's also alive. Well, how many people stop and go something like okay? The word of God is powerful, able to divine to divide even between the bone and the marrow and the joints and, you know, all this other uh, other kind of stuff. OK, well, what does that look like? What does that really look like? That's obviously a picture that's being shared with us. But who stops and says, what does that look like? Well, I'm one of those guys, silly me, that no matter what comes down the pipeline, I go, OK, how can this be applied? What does that look like? Is, 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 does this come from heaven or is this just the mechanics of the universe around us? Because the sad thing is, guys, when I get into new age circles, which isn't very often, frankly, even though I get accused of being new age all the time, which is totally ridiculous. Um, I've been covered by the blood and, you know, bought, bought with his, you know, everything that he did. And, you know, you're not new age if you're like that. But um, they, they understand me better than most Christians. Now, how is that possible other than all they have is the mechanical part of the, of the multiverse? That's what they're searching out. Well, guess who's supposed to be in control of that? The sons and daughters of the king. That's part of what Adam's assignment was. And, and that's a missing gap. Okay, because we've talked many times, Luke, about you know, Mike Heiser, the late Dr. Michael Heiser, going to UFO conferences and connecting with secular people who are into supernatural and, and fringe stuff and finding they're more interested in how the Bible and the biblical history connects to those events and those creatures than what Christians are interested. Christians are like, no, that's that's crazy. Roll their eyes. And here you are saying it again. It, it, it's like we've talked about it. You're right. A lot of religious Christians or Christians in general, when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to the things that you're talking about, doctor, they, it's like a part of their brain. They just turn it off. Once they, they hear a little bit of it, they dismiss it completely. And I don't know if it's a religious spirit or an ideology where they're, they're so afraid to go down that path and ask those questions I think it like, is fear. Like, like they're yeah. abandoning their faith if right. they talk about energies or if they talk about giants and the supernatural and stuff or right. UFOs. It's, it's, it's a like cognitive I dissonance. Gotta, I, I got to mm-hmm. stay in this bubble that I'm mm-hmm. this safe bubble, or we talked about preachers, they stay in a safe uh, theology and they don't ask those hard questions. And that's what, one thing I love. Shout out to. Pastor John Kilpatrick again. He's willing. Remember the message he preached on what I'm if? Vexed. Oh, oh, the, yeah, yeah. And he was willing to oh, ask yeah, those questions. Yeah. I mean, and, hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. At least my congregation is aware that the, the enemy is trying to deceive us and might show up 
as green men or, you know, whatever. So. Well, he preached on, he preached on AI, which how many pastors have done that? And of course that there's a chap, there's a a portion of my book about AI because the, the Nephilim spirits are actually taking over the quantum computers. That's true. That's true. That's true. And so, I mean, so, and he, and he, and he pointed that out. So this didn't come from old Doc Rodich. John, I mean, well, actually, I wrote about it before I heard the message by about six months. And I did turn it over to uh, my my manuscript over to some of the people at the church. So who knows if it filtered up. Well, um, so I wanted to, but uh, let me just comment real quick, Luke, on, on what you just said, because I think and we could go at length, but I'll just say a minute or two here on this is it is about fear. Uh, I think Christians are dumbed down because we're relying on our leadership in churches to do the work for us. And we show up passive. We've talked about that many times and how, you know, as a family I'm exploring and we've done home church with only Christ as the functional head. And we're still learning what that looks like. But I think most Christians, they show up, they're passive and they trust their leadership to tell us what these verses mean. And then they go home and go, ah, I got it now. I don't need to research anymore. So we're not doing the homework. Number well, two, I can tell you, I can t- yeah. um, just let me interrupt you for a minute and sure, then, you sure. can, then continue. But I can tell you exactly why that happens, but finish what you're going to say. And then, yeah, absolutely. It, then you guys can all finish. It's your show. I'm just, telling, but, <laughs> no, this is but I won't forget this because I know exactly what that looks like on paper, why that happens. Okay. Fan- fantastic. Yeah. And then also, um, and we've kind of hinted on this too, like even back with Ryan Peterson, that the age of enlightenment and Darwinian theory coming in, that it seemed like the churches and the seminaries dialed back some of this supernatural stuff and stayed in this cozy little safe, let's make Christianity practical. And so a lot of those weirder things, they kind of shied away from. And I think the same thing is going on, Doc, with what you're talking about, where Christians don't have a paradigm for this. They fear it, like what you said, Luke. Go ahead. Uh, I, I had a question for you, Doc, kind of long. So obviously you, you you talked about doing voice analysis. And I know just pulling up and without even really digging deep into your web page, um, you know, there's the, it, it does give kind of hints if you don't really know you and your background, then kind of a new age vibe. I'll just be honest. The first impression. I didn't know. Um can you kind of go into maybe the stuff that, how how you researched or what what God showed you? Obviously, we got the Creator of the universe, and there's His ways are not our ways. So, just because the New Age is doing some things with energy doesn't mean that God didn't. Um, he's not the origin of it. So, I'm curious on the energy side of things and on the voice analysis. Uh, if we want to shift gears into that. One of the first things, and, and I, I'll segue into the soul if I, if I can in a couple of minutes, but one of the first things you have to do if, if you're a, a normal, reasoning, intelligent individual is to, see, is to ask the question, when you see anything, is this universal mechanics or is this some kind of witchcraft? The problem that is that that exists is is that people don't know that the same use universal mechanics that witches and warlocks use we also use. Okay, we bless people, and it goes into the quantum, and then the blessing finds its place. Okay, so there's like a there's like a force field that's everywhere throughout the multiverse. Okay. They use it to they because it's mechanical. It's it's part of how the fabric of creation is made. Ca- you know, cause and effect. Okay, and so they've learned to use it the evil way. Well, what do we do as Christians? The first thing we do is we we bury we bury folks while they're still alive, and you know, and and we you know we we shoot our own, you know. It, without even asking just normal questions, I mean, like sixth grade level questions is, okay, so gemstones, for instance, have frequencies, 
when I was a kid, you guys are too young to remember any of this. It didn't even exist then. But um, I had a crystal radio. It had a quartz crystal. Oh my gosh, I'm practicing new age. Well, guess what? Gold and silver are elements. Your wife must be practicing new age if she has a diamond ring on or ruby or emerald or opals or pearls. Okay. Well, what I've learned to do is I've learned to put them in a base of something and take all bad energy and good energy and put them out through the stones and enhance the bioenergetic field that we walk in. Okay. Now that doesn't speak to voice analysis. Here's how that came about. I do mu- a very advanced form of muscle testing, which some people think is new age too, but boo-hoo, I don't care anymore. I'm too old. I'm, I, it didn't hurt me anymore. Everything's paid off. It doesn't hurt me, people. You can say everything you want to say. I'll go to court and, and sever all your accusations because I know how to use the courtrooms of heaven, okay? So when when the... First testing that I did, I realized that the body has an energy field that comes out about four to five feet if you're healthy, sometimes six feet. People that aren't real well, maybe a foot and a half, two feet. But there's this, there is actually a bubble that we walk in, so to speak, okay? Doc, may, may I interject real quick? Because we've talked about this during the COVID time because that six foot energy, and then they were saying, well, you got to stay farther than six feet apart then we're disconnected and we're not that energy that you're referring to. We're not getting that, that communion with one another. Right. And we need that. And and we actually need that because that's the way God made us. So what I found out first of all, is that it like, let's just say I was walking by Walmart and I brushed your shoulder. Well, if I stepped aside immediately and my wife was with, with me because my bioenergetic field crossed yours she could i could think of you and she could test me and it would and it would be your test because my my field just took a picture of your test what i didn't know for the first 10 years or so was that the voice also carried the same messages Mm -hmm. the imprint it, it, it the voice is sending out a picture on a spiritual level a truth level an integrity level if if people really knew the level of testing that I could do, probably nobody on this planet would talk to me because they'd be afraid that I'd be analyzing them all the time. Which I don't. I'm too busy. I don't. I, I don't. I can't do that. Talk about a body language expert to the nth degree, right? Right. No, I'm not right. talking to that guy. Okay. <laughs> so so when I can tell somebody from their voice that their grandparents on the mother's side, two generations back showed from having some kind of an attachment with the fraternal order. And it's all scientific. There's no way I'm getting that. You believe it or not, I'm just going to burst some people's bubble. I'm not getting that spiritually. It, hmm. My spiritual stuff works with that because I walk as a son, but I'm getting it through pure energy that the voice is broadcasting. So I, and, and this has happened to me over dozens of times now. And so this lady said, oh, yeah, my grandma and grandpa on my mama's side, uh, uh, he was uh, 33rd degree Mason and she was an Eastern star. She never told me that. She never told me anything about her health. Mm -hmm. You know, I I nailed her adrenal glands being weak and, you know, IBS and, you know, all this other kind of stuff all through the voice. There's nothing hocus pocus about it. There's nothing new age about it. It's just that the new age people are smarter than most of us. Can I, can I just say that? Well, they're willing to look at it for yeah. one thing. So they go, oh, wow, this stuff's flowing out through the universe. We didn't ask the questions. Who made it? Right. We just assume because it's not in our little bubble, as you say, Luke. Would, would you that, say? That, go ahead. Well, I like how, I like how you yeah. put it very simply in the beginning. So if we open up our minds or close our eyes and just think of the supernatural realm as highways. You know, there's energies going out there. I mean, there's invisible stuff that we talk about, we use all the time, and we're using the technology right now, whether it's TV or radio or whatever, wireless stuff. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm actually seeing you guys on my screen. How's that even possible? Right. So the way you describe New Age or the occult or witchcraft, they're tapping into stuff. Christians are supposed to be embracing the supernatural. So just because there's evil lines, there's good lines, and we need to embrace what what is there that, 
in that realm that God wants us to possess and to use for our benefit so that we can fulfill his mandate on this earth. And I, and I think too, we've talked with, you know, we've had Timothy Bence on the show a few times, uh, doc, and, and I mentioned his name to you before because he's Mm -hmm. the only other one besides yourself that I've heard talk about going into heavenly realms, spiritual realms, and, you know, in some cases strategizing with Jesus right there about, about the day or the year, you know, these kind of incredible things, um, you guys kind of have that in common, but I think the difference, as we've talked about in in different shows, is when the New Age does it, when the occultist does it, they're doing it devoid of God with their own impulse, I am going to accomplish this, versus Mm -hmm. God, is this how you want me to operate? Okay, I will go here. And so it's without his leading and it's pushing God out. But what I was going to ask, Doc, is... Do you feel like, because you're saying it's, yes, spiritual discernment, but it's more a technology. Would you liken it to, you know, the way the, uh, a frequency analyzer can can break down a song and go, these are the frequencies. It's playing at 300 hertz here on the guitar. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, is that the type of precision that you're able to kind of pull out and go, hey, 33rd degree Mason on your mother's side, you know? Well, okay, so everything that I do has to have an energy footprint or signature in order for me to even be able to ask the question, okay? So if it's not there, I can't make it up. And what are the chances of me doing well over a dozen people and nailing every single one, including some people that didn't know, and then they went back and did the research and said, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it, but you were exactly right. How does that continually come out of their voice? You see, I mean, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but, but we have to understand there is evil intent and then there's righteous intent. The question is, is in the near universe around us, there are all kind of technologically frequency, sound, light pathways that we don't understand. Like one of the biggest jokes that's going on today is this whole thing about aliens. Okay. Now, are there what look like aliens? Yes. But are they aliens? My answer is no. Okay. What about Satan's seed? Who's Satan's seed? Well, it was when the serpent had sex with Eve and a serpent, serpent line was born theory, and all, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know about any of that stuff. What I do know is, is that the, the in there are individuals that are out there that are that, that we would call Nephilim or branches of the whole Nephilim concept. They're the ones that have the technology because they were completely cut off from heaven's technology, from the way heaven works. So in order to maintain a certain level of their functionality, they had to take what they did or had around them at their disposal to come up with these flying devices and you know the you know who knows how far back even before adam that was still going on because the fall of of the the angelic took place a long long time ago and so all we're seeing is this going on around us they're the ones that really are behind uh, you know you see the illuminati pyramid well guess Mm -hmm. who's behind the illuminati pyramid you know the the multi-dimensional Phasing in and out, Bigfoot, Nephilim, alien grays, half of those could just be android things. You know, we're so, I hate to say it, but we're almost narcissistic as human beings to the point where we think that we're the only ones that has technology of any kind. And if we don't think about it, it must not exist. Okay. Well, this is, this is what we're up against, but let, let me get back to this real important point. A spirit of religion is a really powerful thing. It's what locks people in to their soul being basically flipped from the positive polarity to the negative polarity, and the soul becomes the gatekeeper. And so when anything new comes through, then the soul says, I can't let the body or the mind really understand this. I read somewhere where we get like, I don't know what the number is now, like 20 billion bits of information per second. But by the time it gets to our brain, it's like 300 or something, you know, something ridiculous like that. Well, why is it? Why is that that way? 
Why is why is there any stepping down from what happens around us spiritually? What what are the filters in the way? Well, that's where the soul comes in. And so most of the work that we do in our early walk of Christianity, which is called sanctification, by the way, is we chew or we cut our teeth by getting ourselves straightened up. But if the church won't even tell us what that is, and people won't read their own Bible to see what that is, the soul stays the gatekeeper, and then all these other things that are going around, uh, going on around us, wonderful heavenly technologies available to us today to live in both realms at the same time, we can't even get there because our person is out of synchronization. At the fall, our spirit was inverted. It used to be around us. We were a being of light, and then everything kind of got sucked in, like on a sci-fi movie. Now we have our flesh, then our soul, then our spirit. Well, the heart is the convergence point of all three. And if all three are balanced, that's when all of a sudden we start being able to participate in things like the supernatural. So, so for instance, there's all kinds of, what kind of, how did Enoch know how to do what he did? Well, he, 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 there were gateways that he knew about. Well, that's, those are, those are universally mechanic. That's what the secret societies and the hidden cultures are trying to find. Well, we have everything inside of us that we need. As believers, we go in to go up. We don't have outer body experiences. We don't need to. Our spirit can travel anywhere we need to go. And we have multiple layers of our spirit. You say, oh, brother, that's heresy. Well, okay, how can Jesus be like 50 billion places at the same time in body? And it's really him, but he's in all those places at the same time. We're made in his image. Maybe we have four or five. Doc, we we had a, a story that Tim Bench shared with us once where he was sleeping in his bed, in his home. And at the same time, he was physically present. I think it was Russia, and he was speaking to a, ch- a church and having dinner with them. And then right. it was like months later, he visited, and they're like, "Yeah, you were here, really? Which night? Yeah." So it's <laughs> it's it's mind bending. Um, before I forget, though, I don't know if you if you had expanded on what you were going to say when we were talking about the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, that, the the, that was that was this. Yeah, that was the soul thing. The soul thing. Okay, the, the, great. The soul. The soul gets flipped around, and it becomes a gatekeeper instead of um, a, a way for the spirit to flow and then bless our natural understanding and in, in our actual mind. Okay. And see, because one of the things, and I put this in my book, and then and then it was kind of funny because a few months later, I heard Dan Duval teach about it. And we have a common friend, one of the guys that's on his staff, actually, I sent the book to. So I don't know if Dan ever got it or or whatever. He used but, it. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> but that's okay, because I, I love Dan. I mean, I've never met him in person, never talked to him. But um, he 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 really is a really good teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and, he's, and he's got good stuff. Yeah. But but anyway, the, the, the body, soul, and spirit all have their own mind, will, and emotions. Each. We actually, okay, your, your spirit has a mind, will, and emotions. Your soul has a mind, will, and emotions. Interesting. Your body has mind, will, and emotions, which is how we can have lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And as an overlay, see, it's not just our soul. See, you know, what was the guy's name? Jay Adams. He didn't even believe in a three-part part of man. Mm-hmm. And then he would teach... You know, well, you know, it's just your soul and blah, blah, blah. Most of the people that have taught us and wrote those books didn't have a clue how the supernatural really works, okay? And so, because our spirit, we were a spirit before we came here. That's heresy to a lot of people, but we were not made, most of us, right at the moment of conception. We were spirits in heaven. We weren't fallen angels and God sent us here to be punished. We are a very special created group of individuals who had a mission which was to 
as family undo all the chaotic, horrendous things that the fall of Lucifer put on the, on the different dimensions and realms.